This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. And I ask you to turn to uh, Matthew chapter 8. <laughs> for those of you that have been here, are there any, any questions on anything that we've been discussing so far uh, here in Matthew, our, our last Wednesday, really. Okay, Matthew chapter 8, we're going to pick up where we left off Sunday evening. Um, again, just I know Bob mentioned it, but again, just a, a quick word of encouragement. If you can be here for the uh, meetings with Austin Tucker, I encourage you to be here for that. Um, he, uh, well, we start this Sunday night, 6 p.m. He's going to do four consecutive Sunday evening services here with us and uh, take us through the book of Galatians. So, uh, looking forward to that. It's going to be a good study. Austin, uh, good teacher, and uh, he loves the Lord. <laughs> it's just always, always a blessing. He did, he did tell me though, brother, he's not going to be able to join us for the fish fry. Uh, he's, uh, End of or midterm or whatever. I mean, mid, middle of semester or whatever it is. He's grading papers and and uh, he's he's got a full load right now. All right. Um, Matthew eight. And I'm going to go ahead and, and read um, beginning in verse one again. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna essentially pick up in verse five in our discussion talking about the, uh, the centurion here. But I'll read. Um, Verses 1 through 13. And, and again, keep in mind, this is immediately following the Sermon on the Mount. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him, and behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. When he entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from the east, from east and west, and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go. Let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Amen. <laughs> when Jesus marveled. Uh, that's quite a story there, isn't it? Um, let me just, uh, just a quick recap here what we talked about Sunday, the, the first episode there. Um, Jesus encounters a leper. And uh, the, the leper himself displays faith by coming to Christ for healing. And we, and we, uh, we pointed out Sunday, um, he, his evident confidence in Christ. He was not sure about the will of Jesus in this particular uh, instance, you know, concerning his healing. But he was convinced that Jesus had the authority, the power <laughs> to make him clean. He came to the right place. And he asked the Lord, or said to the Lord, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, I will be clean. Now, those are awesome uh, words of grace right there. And as I said the other day, um, when it comes to uh, physical healing, and there's all kind of application here uh, for that as well. I'm not, not saying there's not. But when it comes for f- to physical healing, I, w- I wouldn't be able to stand here and tell you with all confidence that it's always God's will to heal physically in every situation. But I think if you, if you carry this over into the spiritual, and we're talking about salvation, I think I can confidently say to you that if you come to Christ in faith, the answer will be, I will be clean. I think I can say that with all confidence because I think that's what the Bible teaches. And that's the point of, uh, of these accounts that Matthew's giving us. There's help. For every situation, there's help for, for physical healing. Our, our, our only hope uh, in, in any circumstance is Jesus Christ. So he says to the leper, uh, and again, as we said Sunday, first of all, he touched him. And then he says to him, I will be clean. And the, immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus commanded him to go and tell no one except for the priest to go and... and uh, uh, offer the sacrifice commanded by Moses. Now, comes to Capernaum and encounters this centurion. <clears throat> Roman military centurion says to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And again, Jesus says, I will come and heal him. <laughs> An immediate positive response. I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, and this is what I want us to notice. The centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof. But only say the word, and my servant will be healed. Now, first of all, there's, a, there's great humility on the part of the centurion. Um, and I, I think that's... Um, Essential to faith. I, I don't think there's any genuine faith without humility. It's essentially two sides of the same coin. 
Humility would be a, an, an emptying, basically, an emptying of oneself, right? That is, it would be me understanding that I bring nothing to the table. I have nothing to offer. If, if I'm truly uh, humble, I would understand that I'm totally dependent. And that's what we're seeing in this man. Lord, I'm, I'm not even worthy for you to come under my roof. And that's a, a centurion. I mean, this is someone that you would think of as, as being full of pride, a Roman soldier. And yet he's humbled in the presence of the Lord. That's important, I think, because I think it tells us a lot about what he understands about the identity of Jesus Christ. And then secondly, he says, only say the Word. Now, I mentioned Sunday that uh, now our, 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 we finished the Sermon on the Mount. We're moving into a new section in Matthew, and uh, especially chapters 8 through 10. The main theme here is the authority of Jesus. And so Matthew's giving account after count of demonstrations of Jesus' authority. In fact, it's, it's, not, it's not an entirely new theme. Even in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' authority was evidenced in His teaching so that at the end of chapter 7, Matthew records, "...the crowds were astonished at His teaching, for He was teaching them as one who had authority and not as the scribes." They were used to hearing teachers who would make reference to some other source of authority. You know, they might, they might uh, quote and reference um, better-known rabbis or something of that nature. Or even, even the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord, right, were not speaking in their own authority. They were speaking um, based on a delegated authority, speaking as mouthpieces of God. But Jesus would stand before the crowds give an give a, a explanation of the law, take them deeper into it, into the meaning of it, and, and preface that by saying, I say unto you. And they were astonished because of the authority that characterized His teaching. And now we're seeing um, it not only in his words, but in his deeds. He, he touches a leper, and immediately the leprosy's gone. All they had ever known before that is when the unclean touches the clean, the clean becomes unclean. But now they've, they've witnessed just the opposite. An unclean man is touched by one who is pure, and immediately the unclean is purified. Because of His authority. Because of His power. He can do that. He can say, I will, and it's not wishful thinking. What He wills comes to pass. He touches and it happens. I will, be thou clean. And it's done. Well, it's interesting because we don't... We know nothing, basically, about the background of this centurion. But he, but he comes to Jesus with a better understanding of Jesus' authority and power than, um, than even the 
Most of the Jews had. Probably even the believing Jews. Probably, probably Jesus' own disciples didn't have, didn't display the kind of faith this man did at, at this point. And Jesus says that. I've not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. But this centurion says, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. He's again, demonstrating great confidence in the authority of Jesus. Now, Matthew uh, in the rest of his account here kind of fleshes that out a little bit. The centurion goes on. Verse 9, For I too am a man under authority. Now, what he's beginning to say here is, I understand authority. I understand how it works. Now, that word too um, is interesting to me because uh, we, 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 we put a lot of emphasis on um, the divinity of Christ, and, and, and rightly so. And He's God, God in the flesh. And in fact, um, I think sometimes, uh, sometimes the way the, the incarnation, you know, the fact that Jesus became flesh, the fact that Jesus took on human nature, sometimes the way that's communicated um, by some teachers and writers seems to take away from His divinity. So I don't want to do that at all. He's God in the flesh. In the beginning was the Word, John tells us, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's divine. The eternal God. And the Word became flesh. That is, He became a man. He took on human nature. Not, not the appearance. He didn't just, he didn't just uh, come looking like a man. He became a man. And John says, and He dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. God in the flesh. Again, rightly so. We put emphasis on that. But you notice all the way through the Gospels that Jesus is constantly saying, I'm not doing these things on my own authority. I'm doing the will of the One who sent me. And the centurion understands that. I too am a man under authority. He's recognizing that Jesus is under, now I don't know if he fully under, probably doesn't fully understand <laughs> the incarnation. I'm not suggesting that. He doesn't fully understand the incarnation and the Godhead and, but he, but he does understand this. Jesus is a man of authority. He's, he's, he's under authority and he has authority. So, he, so centurion is liking liking it to his own self, uh, his own situation. As a Roman centurion, there is a, a certain degree to which, when he when he gives orders, it's as though Rome is speaking. When he gives orders to those under him, he he has legitimate delegated authority. So he says, "I too am a man under authority. I, I know how to do." The will of another. And I have those under me. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go. Now he's getting into the, the effects of it. It's, it's, it's not just uh, symbolism. I was, I was kind of astonished the other day myself when I heard that the emperor of Japan spoke. 
<laughs> and I thought, they still have an emperor in Japan? I didn't know they still had an emperor. <clears throat> he's a figurehead. It's, it's symbolic. Now, I'm sure he's got a nice, you know, house and all that kind of thing. But uh, no real authority, as far as I understand. Somewhat like royalty, royalty in, uh, in England. Figurehead. The prime minister has the authority, the, the, uh, the parliament and so forth. But this is genuine authority. So he says, I tell one go, and he goes. The centurion is saying, I understand how this works. Because of, because of my authority, I say to one, go, and he goes. And I say to another, come, and he comes. Within the Roman military, I have a certain um, degree of authority, and it produces results. I do what I'm told by my superiors, and those who are under me do what I tell them to do. No questions asked. I say, go, he goes. I say to another, come, he comes. I say to my servant or slave, the word literally there, I say to my slave, do this. And he does it. Now, why is he saying all this? I mean, is he bragging on his own um, rank in the Roman military? No, what he's saying is, I understand authority, I understand how it works, and I understand, Jesus, that you have authority. Real authority. So much so, that you don't even have to come. Remember the first thing out of Jesus' mouth here was, I will come. I will come and heal him. Oh no. He says, I'm, I'm not worthy to even have you under my roof. Just speak the Word. Just speak the Word. Now think about that for a moment. We, we marvel at the fate of those like, like the... Uh, the uh, woman who was bent over and pressed her way through the crowd to touch. She just wanted to touch. Just, if I could just touch the hem of his garment. This man doesn't even want to do that. He, j- he just understands that it's not necessary. Jesus has such authority that all He has to do is, is speak. And it's done. So he says, just, just say the word. Just say the word, Jesus. You, you don't have to come. Just say the word. Now, Jesus responds, and uh, quite frankly, this ought to uh, <clears throat> cause us, verse 10, ought to cause us to marvel and be astonished. When Jesus heard this, Matthew says, when Jesus heard this, he marveled. Now, that word is—it's very common word in the New Testament. I—I I looked at uh, you know looked at it in several different places, and uh, essentially what it means is he marveled. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is I'd, I'd like to be able to you know, especially in light of Jesus' divine nature, I'd like to be able to kind of explain it away. Um, I mean, that would kind of help me um, box things in a little bit. Um, but it, best I can tell, it means what it says. 
When Jesus heard this, he marveled. He, he marveled at this statement of faith made by this man. Um, and, then he, and then he makes this statement, which, which certainly astonished the Jews around him, no doubt, because he's talking about a Gentile here. Um, and he tells his followers, the Jews, Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. Now, it's interesting, isn't it? I, where did this man get this idea that uh, Jesus could just speak and something be done? And, and he was dead on. I mean, he was right. Jesus has that kind of authority. He, he touched the leper, which, as I pointed out Sunday, was, was uh, uh, it, it wasn't that it was necessary for him to touch the leper, except that it sent a message. Because you don't touch a leper. You don't, you don't touch a leper. Two things can happen. Number one, you could contract a disease. And number two, for a Jew, an Old Testament Jew, even if you didn't contract a disease, you become ceremonially unclean at that point. So you, you don't touch your leper, you, you stay away from him. And Jesus made a point right there in front of everybody of touching the leper. He's sending a message um, about his compassion and about his authority. Because as soon as he touched him and said, be clean, the man was clean. Well, they had seen these kinds of signs and wonders, some of, some of them, some of the crowd who followed, these kinds of touches or instructions, do this, do that. But this man understood all that's really necessary is that he speak a word. And Jesus marveled at that. And I don't begin to know how to explain that except to say this. It's, it's, a, it's a sign of pleasure. He was pleased with that. But you just kind of get the impression from reading it, don't you, that it just kind of took him back for a minute. That kind of statement. All you got to do is say the word. And he marveled. Truly I tell you, with no one in Israel, God's people, God's crowd, the chosen ones, the ones to whom God's revelation had been given. They were, they were given His Word. His, His will was laid out for them. They were told over and over and over and over throughout the Old Testament dispensation that nothing is too big for God, right? He can do anything. And they were repeatedly told about the coming Messiah and His ministry and His kingdom. And most of them did not even Believe They didn't even accept who he was, much less have this kind of faith that he had this kind of authority. I've not found such faith, I tell you, nowhere in Israel. Then he says, I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In the kingdom of heaven. Well, we've, we've talked quite a bit about the kingdom of heaven, haven't we? It's been going through the Beatitudes and talking about the, char- the, uh, the characteristics of the kingdom heirs. The 
the kingdom of heaven is, is for those who believe, those who are God's children, those who are heirs to His kingdom because of belief on Jesus Christ, faith in Jesus Christ, based on what Christ has done in our behalf. And Jesus says here to the Jews, many will come from east and west. He's, he's, in other words, He's saying Gentiles. People other than Jews, other than the physical seed of Abraham. Many will come from east and west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. While the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness. That's a reference to the Jews. The ones to whom He came. He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. So many will come, Gentiles like this centurion, who believe on Christ. Many will come from east and west and sit at table with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, enjoying the kingdom. While the sons of the kingdom, the Jews, are thrown out into outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. Now, let me say this. I don't want to be misunderstood here in what I'm saying about the Jews. It, generally speaking, the Jews are, are to this day are unbelievers. They 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 have not they don't accept Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, the one way to God. Now that's that's what Jesus is saying. But it doesn't mean that Jews cannot be saved. In fact, all of Jesus' followers here, uh, the twelve as as well as others, um, they're Jews. They're Jews. The first church go to the Book of Acts. Jews, made up of Jews, um, primarily, if not fully, right at the beginning. What, what really makes the difference is faith. Jew or Gentile, what is necessary is to believe on Jesus Christ. Now, now this is what Jesus is commending here. This is what He's marveling at. Not, not that this man um, just, just has great intellectual capacity and somehow he's taken all the facts uh, concerning authority and the mechanics of it and how it works and he's figured it out and said, okay, look, I understand how this thing works. No, because he had faith in Jesus. That is, he believed on Jesus. Faith is not a thing itself, like a substance or something inside of you. And this, this man had had a lot of it, so Jesus was impressed. <laughs> no. It's, it's the, the object of this man's faith, which was Jesus, that Jesus was impressed with. And that's what he's commending. I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. That is... 
this kind of confidence or trust or belief in me, Jesus Christ. So he tells the man, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. What's he saying? Well, the man came to him with confidence, faith, trust, that he could heal his servant. And so Jesus is now saying, just as you believed, in other words, you understood that I have the authority to do this, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. Let me show you one other place before we close here where... The only other place I know of um, that Jesus marveled. It's a similar statement. Mark 6. This is when Jesus comes to His own hometown. Mark chapter 6. Verse 1, He went away from there and came to His hometown, and His disciples followed Him. And on the Sabbath, He began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard Him were astonished. You notice the similarities here between this and Matthew. Again, they're astonished at His teaching. And they were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by His hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and, uh, and, and Joseph and Judas and Simon, are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Now, now notice the difference. You, in, in, in Matthew 8, you've got, a, you've got a leper coming and saying, Lord, I know. I know if you will, that is, if, if, you, if you decide to do this, if you desire to do this, if you desire to make me clean, I know you can do it. He's got confidence in Jesus' power and authority. And then we have the centurion comes and tells of his servant who's on his deathbed and says, All that's necessary is for you to speak the Word. Because he has confidence in Jesus' power and authority. And he understands how authority works. If you really have the authority, all you have to do is speak. And say, go! And he goes! Or come! And he comes! Or do this! And he does it! So he says, Lord, just speak the Word and my servant will be whole. But notice what these people are saying. Is not this the carpenter? The son of Mary, the brother of James. They're saying, there's nothing special about this guy. I don't know how he's doing these wonders because isn't isn't this the carpenter that we all know? And they were offended at him. It's amazing, isn't it? He's, He's doing miracles, teaching, saying good things, truth. And they're scandalized. 
Verse 4, And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown and among his own relatives, his, among his relatives, and in his own household. Listen to what Mark records here. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Two times we're told Jesus marveled. In fact, here in in Mark, the, the verb is the imperfect tense, and he was, he was he was marveling. He kept marveling at their unbelief. They didn't they did not understand who he was. They did not understand what he's capable of, what he can do. Now. Uh, now, I'm just going to throw this out to you. You can take it or leave it. It, it really doesn't give us a big explanation here. But verse 5, He could do no mighty work there. Now, I certainly don't think um, that means in an absolute sense that Jesus could not do something. Because again, He's, he's God in the flesh. He can do whatever He wants to do. And we, and we find uh, other examples, incidentally, where uh, faith does not seem to be required. I mean, Lazarus is a pretty good example of that. You know, he, he didn't have a lot of faith. <laughs> he was dead. And Jesus raised him from the dead. It, it may just be because, because they weren't asking. They weren't coming to Him. They were so scandalized by Him that the tendency was to withdraw from Him rather than Draw near to Him. So they weren't seeking His help other than, we're told, He healed a few sick people. They didn't need Him. This this is just the carpenter, the son of Mary. We know this guy. We saw him grow up. He's nothing special. They weren't poor in spirit like the centurion. Like we're told in the Beatitudes is characteristic of all the kingdom heirs. They weren't meek. They weren't hungering and thirsting for righteousness. They certainly weren't seeking Jesus help. And Jesus marveled. Isn't that something? Two times we're told Jesus marveled and once was because of tremendous faith. The tremendous faith of a Roman centurion. And the other is because of the unbelief of the people in Jesus' hometown. Now, I would venture to say, if I've ever made Jesus marvel, and I'm, and I'm going to assume anyway that this is something confined to His days in the flesh for reasons that I'm not going to explain tonight, but, <laughs> but, but I'm going to assume 
that if I ever made Jesus marvel, it was because of my unbelief and not because of my faith. But, that's why these things are recorded. That's why they're given to us. It's, it's to encourage us to do what this leper did, to do what this centurion did. Go to Jesus for help. Put your total confidence in Him. Trust the power of His Word. He says He can make you clean. He can make you clean. In John 8, He said, If you continue in My Word, you're My disciples indeed. And you'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. Trust Him. Totally. Complete. Don't bring anything to the table. Be... Be like the centurion. Say, I don't, I don't have anything, Lord. I'm not even worthy that you would come under my roof. Just speak the word into my situation. I need help. He didn't offer him money. He didn't, he didn't offer him, uh, you know, a nice ride over there. He didn't offer him a place to stay. He didn't offer him anything. I don't have anything to offer you, Lord. You're the one that has what I need. I don't have authority to do this. You do. It's total trust in Him. And what's His answer to the leper? I will. I desire. <laughs> I will. Just a short, simple answer. If you will, you can make me clean. I will. That's, that's saying, I, I do want to. Now, be clean. And to the centurion, he says, let it be done to you as you have believed. Where do we go for help? Jesus. He's the only acceptable sacrifice for our sins. What He did at Calvary. What He did at the cross. That's, that's the only way we're, we're, the only way we're going to be cleansed is through what He did at Calvary. He's the only acceptable sacrifice for our sins. You can apologize a million times over. You'll never atone for your own sins. Crucify yourself on the cross. You'll never atone for your own sins. And He's the only means of righteousness for us. He is our righteousness. You see, our faith has to be totally and completely in Him. Our trust has to be totally and completely in Him. Let it be done for you as you have believed. People who didn't trust Him, they didn't receive much, did they? In Mark 6. But those who come to Him in faith, seeking help, seeking salvation, trusting Him, 
for cleansing, eternal life. Receive. Receive. Just through faith in Him. Everybody's familiar with John 3.16. What's it say? He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes on Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Let's pray. Father, we do thank You for Your Word. So precious, Lord. We, we wouldn't know a thing about You had You not revealed it to us in some fashion. And certainly these truths that we're dealing with in texts like this learning about Your own love for us and Your own power. It's only because You've given it to us. Made Yourself known. Lord, there's probably not one of us in this room that can boast of great faith. But yet again, it's not... The amount, but the object. Lord, we want uh, our faith to be in You. Trust in You for all things. Lord, work that out in us. Use us for Your glory. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304 Highway 80. Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.